prompts everybody had, and one by one the people shuffled on to the next table and paid their taxes in furs and skins. That was the unpopular part. So the queue wound round Tregonmaris, in at the east gate, through the postern and stables, across the market square, and through the counting house. Even the youngest babies were carried past the clerks for the quill pens to wobble and scratch their names on the parchment. Many a tribesman got a funny name because a clerk didn't know how to spell, and there's more of that sort of thing in history than you might expect. On the fifth day, the governor of the town called all the tribal chieftains to an audience in the market square to hear their grievances. He didn't always do anything about them, but at least they got heard. And he nodded a lot, and everyone felt better about it, at least until they got home. This is politics. That was how it had always happened, time out of mind. And on the sixth day, the people went back to their homes, along the roads the Dumi had built. They went east. Behind them, the road went west, until it came to the city of Ware. There it was just one of the many roads that entered the city. Beyond Ware, it became the west road, becoming narrower and more winding, until it reached the furthermost western outpost of Rug. Such was the Dumi'i Empire— It covered almost all of the carpet from the wood wall to the wasteland near Varnishholm in the north. In the west it bordered wild land and the uttermost fringes of the carpet, and southwards the roads ran as far as the hearthlands. The painted people of the wainscot, the warlike Hibolgs, even the fire-worshippers of Rug, all paid their tribute to the emperor. Some of them didn't like the Dumi much— usually because the empire discouraged the small wars and cattle raids, which in the outlying regions were by way of being a recreational activity. The empire liked peace. It meant that people had enough time to earn money to pay their taxes. On the whole, peace seemed to work. So the Munrung tribe went east, and passed out of the chronicles of the empire for another ten years. Sometimes they quarrelled among themselves, but on the whole they lived peacefully, and avoided having much to do with history, which tends to get people killed. Then, one year, no more was heard from Tregan Maris. Old Grim Orkson, chieftain of the Munrungs, had two sons. The eldest, Glurk, succeeded his father as chieftain when Old Orkson died. To the Munrung way of thinking, which was a slow and deliberate way, there couldn't have been a better choice. He looked just like a second edition of his father— from his broad shoulders to his great thick neck, the battering centre of his strength. Glurk could throw a spear further than anyone. He could wrestle with a snarg, and wore a necklace of their long yellow teeth to prove it. He could lift a horse with one hand, run all day without tiring, and creep up so close to a grazing animal that sometimes they'd die of shock before he had time to raise his spear. Admittedly, he moved his lips when he was thinking, and the thoughts could be seen bumping against one another like dumplings in a stew. But he wasn't stupid. Not what you'd call stupid. His brain got there in the end. It just went the long way round. "'He's a man of few words, and he doesn't know what either of them mean,' people said, but not when he was within hearing. One day, towards evening, he was tramping homeward through the dusty glades, carrying a bone-tipped hunting spear under one arm. The other arm steadied the long pole that rested on his shoulder. In the middle of the pole, its legs tied together, dangled a snarg. At the other end of the pole was Snibril, Glurk's younger brother. Old Orkson had married early and lived long, 
so a wide gap filled by a string of daughters that the chieftain had carefully married off to upright and respected and above all well-off Munrungs separated the brothers. Snibril was slight, especially compared with his brother. Grim had sent him off to the district Dumii school in Tregonmaras to become a clerk. We can't hardly hold a spear, he said. Maybe a pen'd be better. Get some learning in the family. When Snibril had run away for the third time, Pismire came to see Grim. Pismire was the shaman, a kind of odd job priest. Most tribes had one, although Pismire was different. For one thing, he washed all the bits that showed at least once every month. This was unusual. Other shaman tended to encourage dirt, taking the view that the grubbier, the more magical. And he didn't wear lots of feathers and bones, and he didn't talk like the other shaman in neighbouring tribes. Other shaman ate the yellow-spotted mushrooms that were found deep in the hair thickets and said things like, Hey, yeah, 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 hey.